it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 193, How to Put Profit First with Mike Michalowicz. So although Mike is somebody who has founded and sold two multi-million dollar companies all before his 35th birthday, he no longer answers to the title entrepreneur. Although he leads to new multi-million dollar ventures, he truly believes that his purpose on this planet is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty through his authorship. So he is an incredible writer of books like Fix This Next, Clockwork, Profit First, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, and The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. And I first discovered Mike when I was a part of a mastermind uh, a few years ago. He was one of the speakers, and he came in to speak all about his profit-first methodology and to teach us about outsourcing all the things that I desperately needed in my business. But I remember that particular day, I had a crisis in my business, and so I actually spent the entirety of his presentation out in the hallway on my phone talking to my team members and my coach. And I regret that so much because he has so much wisdom, and I wish I could have been there to soak it all up. But today, he is here with us. He's sharing lots of wisdom about his profit-first method. We're also going to talk a little bit about how he was able to pull himself out of running his companies so that he could focus on writing his books, promoting his books, and doing the marketing side of things. And I know for a lot of us who start businesses as the talent, as people who are writers or speakers, we wonder how we could ever remove ourselves from the day-to-day so that we could truly be in our zone of genius or what Mike calls our primary role. So today we're going to dive into all of that, and I want you to get the most from this episode. So definitely take some notes and also listen to what resonates with you. It's a very fast episode. We talk very quickly. We cover a lot of ground, and I know you're going to absolutely love it. So let's dive in. This episode was sponsored by the I Heart My Life Mastermind. The I Heart My Life Mastermind is perfect for you if you already have a business and you're looking to scale. We cover tons of different topics. We cover marketing strategy, revenue planning, team processes, everything you need in terms of mindset, high performance, really taking care of yourself as well as your business, events, publicity. We literally have seven coaches under one umbrella to support you and give you the answers to all of your burning questions. We host regular weekly workshops where you get your personal questions answered. We have retreats. You have a private Slack channel where you get to ask questions 24-7. You have an extensive resource bank that helps you put in place our cash method in your own business and much, much more. This is one of the most inventive programs around. I don't know anyone else offering the service that we provide. So if you are interested in growing your business and transforming your life, definitely book a call with us to learn more. Go to iHeartMyLifeBooking.com and learn more about the I Heart My Life Mastermind. All right, Mike, I'm so excited to have you here. I've read all of your books. I'm a big fan, gotta say, and I'm so excited (laughs) to bring all of your wisdom to our community. Emily, it's a joy to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Yes. So I want to start at the beginning and I want you to tell our audience a little bit about the piggy bank story and how that kind of kicked off profit first and led you to where you are today. Yeah. Well, that's a tough start. I, uh, just to give you some context, I have been an entrepreneur my entire life and had the good fortune of building and selling a couple of companies while in my twenties and early thirties, I became a self-made millionaire and, uh, really got full of myself. I thought I was, I had the Midas touch. Anything I touched turned to gold. 
I started an, another business as an angel investor and it was it was a disaster. I was a calamity. I, I was just blowing money left and right. I evaporated all of my family's wealth, the money I've made, everything uh, within two years. And it was uh, uh, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, 2008. And I got a call from my accountant and said, uh, you need to declare bankruptcy. Or he goes, liquidate your final asset, which is your house, but you're, you're done. And I decided to do that. Uh, I came home to my family. I was sobbing. I was ashamed. I hadn't told them the truth that we were in trouble. I didn't even really understand it until that moment. And we lost our house 30 days later. As I was telling my family this, I, I have two sons and a daughter. I told my daughter I couldn't afford to send her to horseback riding lessons. It was $20 a group session. And she's crying. My wife's crying. My daughter ran out of the room at nine years old. And I thought she was running away. She actually ran to her bedroom to grab a piggy bank. And she ran back to me as fast as those little legs could carry her. And she's like, she goes, Daddy, since you can't be our provider, I will. And she goes, here's my, I'm getting emotional. Here's my contribution. And uh, as a wake-up call of the century. Uh, I, and by the way, it's one of my career. It wasn't like the next morning, like, okay, I got this figured out. I, I started drinking. I went through depression for years. Um, but it was the seed of change. And it gave me clarity that I need to uh, serve a mission that I feel called to do, which is eradicating entrepreneurial poverty. That's why I wrote Profit First. That's actually why I write all my books is to help entrepreneurs uh, to simplify the journey that we're going through because it is a difficult journey. And as of today, as a result, I'm an author, full-time author today. Thank you for sharing that. And I know that we don't always start with such a vulnerable story at I Heart My Life, but we like to go deep. And that story really touched me because I actually grew up seeing both of my grandpas experience bankruptcy as entrepreneurs. My dad went through a bankruptcy in 2008 and lost everything. And so it's a topic that is very personal to me. And it's definitely yeah. a fear that I've had since the start of my business because I've seen it so close to home. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how that experience helped you develop the profit first method and also of course tell us a little bit more a little bit more about it. Sure, sure. So I've been an entrepreneur for all these years but I was never I was making money, I wasn't taking money and there's an absolute difference between the two. Like I thought if my business made a million dollars I would be a millionaire and that's not true. In fact, as I was making more money, I was making or taking home less and the stress was greater. And I'm not good at numbers. I don't have an accounting degree. So after that moment with my daughter, I started to think like, what, what does it take to become profitable? And I saw that there's a fundamental flaw in what we're all told. There's a foundational formula that I was using that every entrepreneur uses. And it's that profit comes last. We call it the bottom line or the year end. Sales minus expense equals profit. And the flaw is this. When something comes last from a behavioral aspect, it means it's insignificant. It can wait. So for me, I was waiting until the end of every year to say, did I have a profit this year? No, damn it, maybe next year. I was kicking it down the road. So what I did in Profit First was I flipped a formula. It's sales minus profit equals expenses. So in practice, every time revenue gets deposited into the company, we take a predetermined percentage of that money as profit, 5 10 15%, allocated accordingly. So it's a cash transfer, hide that money away, and then run our business off the remainder. So back in... Uh, 2008, uh, I started to play around with this. And I started taking, as my business was generating some money, a little bit here, a little bit there, I started taking my profit first. And sure enough, I started working. So I refined it. It became a Wall Street Journal article. I used to write for the Wall Street Journal and became an article. And it was the most popular article I wrote by far. People were emailing me, oh my gosh, this works. It's the pay yourself first principle applied to business. 
and then it became the book. And uh, fast forward to today, there's over a half million businesses running Prop First, and, and there's about 500, a few hundred every day, maybe upwards of 500 new businesses implementing Prop First now every day. That's so amazing. And I have to admit that I read the book for the first time on vacation, actually. Um, What kind of vacation is that? I know. It was my birthday weekend, but I love to read. And sometimes throughout the week when I'm at home, it doesn't happen. And so I always take all these books with me. And my husband was still sleeping. And so I was like devouring this book. And there's a part where you say for us to email you. And I was like, I'm going to email him. And I'm going to be the best success story ever with this because I was in the same camp. I was always talking about the revenue that we made, but never really thinking about profitability and what I was paying myself. I thought it was good, you know, for me to pay myself as little as possible, not really recognizing that that was kind of detrimental to my mental health. I was putting in all of this effort and not thinking about what I was actually making. So really, you know, creating the five accounts, which I know you'll talk about in a second and putting this process in place was a game changer. So I'm just, I'm one of those people who can raise their hand. I love finally. it. I love it. Yeah. And it's funny. So I, I get emails from readers every day and it's, it's a, it's the most joyous thing for me. I also feel it's a great commitment for you when you sent it uh, and everyone sends it because now it's like, well, I made this kind of public, like the author guy is going to hold me accountable, or at least he's aware that I'm doing this. And I found it to be a great mechanism of accountability. Oh, no, I love that. You know, I have one book so far, but I was thinking even for the next ones, how can I hold the reader more accountable yeah. and also create that connection, right? Um, totally. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the structure of Profit profit First and what some of the first steps are that someone could put into place. So it's based upon uh, behavioral management of money. So some people confuse it with an accounting system. They say, oh, Profit First is an accounting system. It's absolutely not. It's a cash management behavioral system. It actually works with any accounting. So if you use QuickBooks or whatever system you use, it'll work with that. But what, what it does is the realization I had was most entrepreneurs, myself in particular, I don't read the income statement and the balance sheet and the cash flow statement and tie those things. I don't do the fancy metrics like the inventory turn. I've heard of it, but I don't really know what it means. But what I do do is I log into my bank account. And I have a real simple system. If there's money there, I'll spend it. And if I don't, I'll panic and try to sell something so I have money. And that's the system. I call it bank balance accounting. Based upon the balance of the bank, I take an action accordingly. Realizing that, I set prop first to be what I call a behavioral intercept, meaning there's a natural behavioral pattern of logging into my bank account. Profit first must reside at the bank because that's where we're going. And set multiple accounts there. There's five, we call the five foundational accounts. An income account, that's where money comes in. There's a profit account. This is to reward a shareholder of the business. If you started a business, you're a shareholder. There's an owner's compensation account. That's to pay you the salary. If you had to hire a replacement to do your work, that's the salary you deserve. Different than profit. Profit is a reward for starting a business. Owner's comp is the salary for being what's called an owner-operator. Tax. You know, We start our businesses for financial freedom, and yet the number one largest bill associated with operating a business that business owners are least prepared for is the tax bill. April 15th rolls around. It's like, I owe how much? Oh my God, what am I going to do? The business can pay your taxes. And this is regardless if you have an S corp or C corp or LLC or PLLC or any kind of formation, your business can always pay your taxes. You can work with an accountant how to do it. Sometimes it's through a reimbursement, other times a direct distribution. But uh, in the final account is OPEX. So those represent OPEX is the operations of the business. What happens now, money flows in the income account. We carve it up based upon percentages to these different accounts. 
If you want to have a 10% profit for your business, then 10% is the number. That's what we're taking as profit. If you want to pay your self a salary that's a six-figure salary, and that may represent 30% of your income on average, 30% is going there and so forth. What you realize is the next time a deposit comes in, say for $1,000, you don't have $1,000. I say, oh, there's a thousand bucks in my income account. I can spend a thousand. No, 10% went to profit. 30% went to owner's comp. Some went to tax. I may have $400. And so there's this immediate clarity by doing what we always do, logging into the bank account, of what money is available for what purpose. That's the essence of the system. And I love that you said that you do that twice a month as well, because I mean, I was normally looking at my bank account every single day and I didn't need to be doing that necessarily, but the 10th and the 25th are the days where you actually log in and do that process. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you still can look every day. If that's your normal behavior, keep doing it. Like the big thing is not to change who we are. It's to build a system that channels who we are to get the results we want. Now, this rule of the 1025 is what we call the allocation periods. So money comes in your income account every day, hopefully. You can log in. You can see your income accumulating. And that's powerful because when we get to one of these allocation days, you'll know what the income typically is. Over time, you'll say, oh, usually there's $10,000 in there or whatever your number is. Then on these days, we allocate. So money goes to profit, owner's comp, tax, and OPEX. The money in the OPEX account then is used to facilitate and pay for the operations. You pay bills. Now, the magic, I'm putting quotes around this, but the magic for the 10th and 25th is the OPEX is funded on those days. You pay your bills that day. When you pay your bills on that day, they will arrive, you do it on the 10th, usually by mid-month. That's when half your bills are due. When you repeat the process again on the 25th, they arrive by end of month. That's when your other half of bills are due. So it gets you into a rhythm with your vendors, but also gets you into a rhythm of getting into these allocations. Now, Profit First is a framework. You don't have to follow the system verbatim. I definitely encourage people to follow the exact framework, it's five accounts and so forth. But if it's better for you to do this weekly as opposed to every 10th and 25th, that works. But we got to get into a framework that there's a regular rhythm so we can start seeing the average income that we expect to the allocations. And now we start feeling control of our money. I'll tell you, the very first time I did Profit First for myself, you know, now 12 years ago, the very first time, I was like, for the first time in my life, there's a little money in profit, like cash waiting for me. I felt good. I actually saw how much money I truly had available to spend. You won't get rich overnight, but you'll get rich in confidence overnight. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I'm curious to know how you would tell people to handle any debt that they have when it comes to the Yeah. So if you have debt, um, that's pretty normal, but maintaining sustained debt is not good, not healthy, and therefore it should not be normal. What happens is we still follow this system verbatim. Money flows in income, we carve it up, money goes to profit, but Typically, what we do on a quarterly basis, just like large corporations, every quarter they do a profit distribution. We're going to do a profit distribution. But but if you have debt, we have to pay off that debt first with that profit. And here's how it works. Debt was an expense that we incurred in the past that we couldn't afford or we decided not to afford. So we used credit cards or borrowed from a lender of some sort. The only way, the only way to pay off debt is to make more money than you're spending, aka profit. So you have to be profitable to pay off debt. With this system, by allocating money for profit first, you're enforcing profitability. But since you have debt, you have to use that profit to pay off debt. So when the money comes out, we use the majority of it, I would say 95 to 99% of the cash coming out to crush debt. The reason we don't use 100% is a small portion still needs to go to you. It's a behavioral mechanism, but uh, we humans, we love rewards. It gives us a dopamine release. So when a little money comes out and you can splurge on a nice dinner out or something, 
that is necessary to keep us enthusiastic about gaining profits and reserving profits. Keep on paying off debt. You know, every time profit comes out, a chunk of that is used to hit debt. The day will come. I don't know if it's six months or six years, but the day will come that all that debt's eradicated if you keep chipping away at it with this profit account. Then the next profit distribution is all yours. And that's a glorious day. And the beautiful thing is you've built a profit habit. You've been allocating money toward profit. I know it's been paying debt, but you've been allocating money. You'll have this system down. Now when the money comes out, it's all for you, the shareholder, the business owner. And it's a great, great day. Do you remember any moment in particular where you took your profit, maybe for the first time or, or early in the days when you started doing this method and it was like a big celebration or oh, something yeah. stand out for you in particular? I'll give you two. So the very first time I did it, I'll never forget, it was $8, right? And I'm telling you, the, the dollar amount doesn't matter. For the first time in my life, I had cash. And I did go to the bank. I did ask it for in singles because I wanted to you know, spread it out a little bit. Uh, not all one denomination. So I had, I had uh, you know, five and some singles and, I, and I'm fanning myself with this money. And I'm sitting here going, for the first time in my life, I don't have to use a credit card. I'm not expensing it. This is for me to use in any capacity I want. And I went to Starbucks and apparently with eight bucks, you can barely buy anything at Starbucks. <laughs> but uh, I got a nice cup of coffee and that was the best cup of coffee of my life. I also, over time, as my businesses have grown and my profits grown, uh, my wife and I, we went to Ireland uh, three years ago now, purely on profit for two weeks, touring Ireland, staying in castles, living a dream vision I had for a vacation with my wife. And the business paid everything. It paid for everything. And it wasn't expenses again. It was just a gift. It was, here's extra money. Do what you want to do. So mm-hmm. I love it. And the next profit, as of this recording, I'm 20 days away. That's the beautiful thing too, is because profit is quarterly. It keeps on coming out. And the system is designed that when you take a profit today, a portion remains to build cash equity, but also to prepare you for your next profit. I've taken now, I ran the number recently, I think it was 51 consecutive quarters of profit distributions. Wow. I love yeah, that. That's fun. Inspiring. That's fun. So that leads me to one of my next questions. So I know, like you said, there was an article about Profit First and then it turned into a book. But since then, you now have Profit First facilitators. The company has grown. You now have Clockwork. There's a whole company with that. Adrian, so I'm curious yeah. to know, did you did you envision all of this? Or do, like you've always been a serial entrepreneur to a certain extent and had multiple companies, but could you have envisioned this? I, I didn't envision it from day one. When I wrote my first book, it was just my devotion to be an author. I didn't know what would come out of it, but I, I wrote a book called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur and it was this edgy kind of book. And it worked with an extraordinary effort. It finally started to work. And then I started another book. And uh, as I was writing a second book, people were calling me saying, I love this. Tell me about the coaching you do. Well, I'm like, I want to write books. I don't want to coach. They're like, well, then who does it for you? And I was like, oh, who does it for me? That's the answer. And I found a partner we grew an organization called the Pumpkin Plan, uh, Pumpkin Plan Biz, Pumpkin Plan Your Biz. It has Pumpkin Plan strategists, and it grows and is, exists today. And then when I wrote my next book, I'm like, I need a person to run this. So Clockwork is run by Adrian, uh, uh, Profit First is run by a guy named Ron. It's it just grown into these different businesses. I love it because I get to still act as a spokesperson for all those organizations. I get to continue to write books, and I have extraordinary partners who are leading all these different businesses. 
Yeah. For everyone listening, you can hear all about Run Like Clockwork with Adrian's episode on the I Heart My Life show. It was incredible. She's and unbelievable. Of, her talent. My God. She is. Yeah. And I actually was in a mastermind with her before she started working with you. And she had been talking about you in various conversations. And so I, it was just so exciting to see her take that on board and take the lead with that company alongside of you. And it's just, I was telling her like the marketing, I see it everywhere. I hear people talking about it. And it's just so exciting to see that take off in such a big way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I, I found the key for, for me, I guess for anyone is, is really what, what is our area of strength and to lean into that. I used to have the belief I can do all these different things. I can't, I, I mean, I can, I just don't do a good job at it. The one thing I'm, I'm pretty good at is writing books and, uh, and, and being an advocate for the books I write. Like th that I do, I think pretty well. Uh, Adrian is extraordinary at bringing efficiency to business. So when, when I said, I can promote books about efficiency and she's like, I can deliver efficiency. It was a match I feel made in heaven. Well, I'd love to ask you more about that because I noticed on the Run Like Clockwork website, your primary role is marketing. Yeah. And I love that because so many people come to our company wanting to be coaches, but they don't want to run a business. They want yeah. to be able to coach. They want to be able to speak, write books. So how did you start to kind of pull yourself out of the other roles? Was it just by creating partnerships with people like Adrian, or like what were some of the first steps? Yeah. So the first thing is really framing. And there's a real powerful strategy I used. I used to call myself an entrepreneur. Uh, and I love that word, but it is also associated with hustle and grind, do everything. And I mean, I think that's a horrible association, by the way. Our job is to create vision and to organize resources to make that vision a reality. It's not to work like animals for anybody. And so I changed my title to shareholder. I said, I want to be a shareholder of small businesses. And the shareholder, like I own stock in Ford. The only thing I do for Ford is I collect the profit because I invested. I took a risk. Secondly, I render opinion. I vote for like board of directors and so forth. So for my organizations, I share in the profit and I render opinion and influence, but I don't run anything. That's what, So changing the label of what I do was the first thing. The second thing was yeah, finding extraordinary partners. And an extraordinary partner isn't necessarily someone that's like you. Um, I wasn't looking for another mic. And that's a grand mistake many entrepreneurs say, if I could only find another me, that's absolutely the wrong thing. You want to find someone that's not like you because another you would just do more of what you're doing. So I wanted to find people who weren't like me. And Adrian uh, is not like me. She has these talents in a completely different area, but it's very complimentary. And then it's a structuring uh, uh, a system, a process that both sides win. You know, it's not... It's, the second we put ourselves in a win-lose, like, oh, I'm, I'm gaining, but she's, you know, she's struggling, that's going to fail both of us. What's the structure we put in place where Adrian, as a result of our partnership, comes out 10 times ahead of where she would have been? And how do I come out 10 times ahead of where I would have been? And, and structure something around that. And I feel we did. And I, I've done it with all my partners. As a result, you know, they're growing very quickly. And I, I feel everyone's extremely happy. I can't speak for Adrian, but I feel uh, everyone's very happy. I surely am. Oh, no. Yeah. She told us about some of the struggles in the beginning and how she had to let go of her ego and things like that. But yeah, yeah. now she knows she's in the right place and loves the company so much. And she's starting to outsource even more and see like when she took her maternity leave that, you know, her clients loved the coaches and loved the other people. Yeah, in the yeah, company. Yeah. And so it's amazing to see that as well. Yeah. And the so, ego thing is funny. We, he, she and I had talks about it. And one thing I realized is that, um, it is tough for me, for anyone to, uh, when we have ideas and thoughts, not to want to continue to control and own it. 
What Adrian did, which is extraordinary, that I think many people struggle with, is she said, here's the ideas, put them in a book. And uh, I'm a curator. Like the ideas in Clockwork and so forth, they're Adrian's ideas and other people's too. My job is to assemble thoughts. Nothing here is just, you know, quote unquote, my genius. I've assembled in a way that hopefully is very simple and palatable. So when I think when Adrian's like, oh yeah, I get that. It's really not Mike's genius or ideas. It's actually Adrian's genius presented and spoken through my storytelling is when she said, oh, I get it. It's a new way to frame it. And then became a much more powerful marketing force because all I do every day is promote books. It's happening right now, right? I'm talking about what I do and maybe someone will discover a book and it'll serve them. So I'm you know, 24 hours a day moving books. And as a result, Adrian, 24 hours a day has books being moved. It serves her business. And that's how we got both, I think, a 10 times win on what we were doing. I love that. And I resonate with it selfishly because I'm also a writer, but I'm a coach and a teacher, but I'm still doing all that, like so many of the things behind the scenes that I know I shouldn't be doing. And for the company to grow, I can't be doing. Um, But I think you do have to take ego out of it. And one of my coaches once told me your clients want results. They don't want you. And doesn't have to everything like that they're learning doesn't have to come from me facilitating or being the main coach. And so we've really focused on bringing in other coaches and bringing on higher level team members to support all the operations so that I can so actually smart. be in my primary role. So smart. I, I got a call from a major author, like a name that if I say the person's name, you'd recognize it. And this person says to me, he goes, he goes, I can't, I can't do it anymore. He's like, I'm exhausted. I can't keep delivering all this stuff. He goes, I just want to write. I'm like, that's all you need to do. And I shared the system with him and his president of his company was there. And like, oh my gosh, this is what we're going to do. But, but it is an ego check to your exact point. People don't want us. They want the results. And I think when I speak with this author, he had that realization that it, it really isn't about him. And, and I totally know this isn't about me. It's about a mission that's on my wall to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. It's to help entrepreneurs. I understand the mission, but I also understand it, it has nothing really to do with me. I just got to deliver books and, and people will get results in, in the way they need it from the right person. In this case, Adrian or one of the other companies I have. Thank you for sharing that. And for that reminder, I'm super inspired by what you've created and I'm curious to know what's next for you. So um, I just submitted a manuscript for my newest book. It's called Get Different. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges businesses have in their marketing is we have this natural tendency to do industry best practices, to copy the competition. And we look at someone else's website and say, I want it like, like theirs. And uh, that's the exact moves not to take because we're replicating what's already out there. It becomes unnoticeable because we've seen it before. There's the prospects. The, the biggest way to get noticed is to do something that is noticeable. And it's by getting different. What I did in the Get Different book is I outline the um, three core principles that make marketing effective. And uh, yeah, it's coming out this September, 2021. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So I know that you have a little video on a page for our audience so that they can opt in and get some freebies. Can you tell us, we'll we'll share the link in the show notes, but can you tell us where to find you and what they can experience when they opt in? Yeah, sure. So uh, you can go to mikemichalowitz.com with one caveat, no one can spell Michalowitz. So I don't even know why I put it out there. There's a better shortcut. You can go to Mike Motorbike, mikemotorbike.com is my nickname in high school. The great irony, hence the nickname, I've never driven a motorcycle, but it rhymed. So if you go to mikemotorbike.com, you can get, and you will get uh, free chapters from all my books. And not just like random, 
like the first intro or something, chapters where you'll see results. Like that's my goal. Um, I used to write for the Wall Street Journal for years. You'll get all those articles. Um, plus I have my main keynotes I've done. I've done five or six major keynotes on different topics. It's all available for free at mikemotorbike.com. Thank you. And the one question we always ask all of our incredible guests here at the I Heart My Life show is what is one way our audience can create a life that's better than their dreams? Better than their dreams. Well, I, I th- what I would do is first, I would go back to your original dream and say, and I think there's three original dreams. Um, maybe dreams isn't the right way, but I look back first in my childhood and say, what did I always want to be? Now for me, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a garbage man. And I still have a little desire to do that. So if anyone owns a garbage company, I, I, maybe I got 24 hours in me, but I want to throw those garbage cans in there. I'm like excited to do that. Um, so maybe that's it. Um, but there's two other dreams. One's called the big T. I learned this from a psychologist and they said, the big T is big trauma. Sadly, most of us have experienced trauma in our life. Mine was around financial trauma. There's way worse out there with abuse and, and just horrible things, but they can be a, a defining moment in that we say to ourselves, I will never allow that moment to happen again to myself nor anyone else. And that becomes now a mission. I had financial struggle. That was my trauma. I said, I'll never let it happen to myself or anyone else again. And that got profit first and all this other things going. And the other thing is a little T. Those are the drip traumas. Like you're picked on in high school or grade school over and over again about something. And you make that defining moment again, saying, I'm not going to allow this to happen anymore. I'm going to serve others and protect them too. It's either the big T, little T, or that childhood dream, I think, is an opportunity to live a life that your soul is thirsting to have. Oh, wow. I'm obsessed with all of that. I want to do some journaling around all of those because I feel like mine's a combination of all three. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. But I I would argue that uh, for many of us, we can can document all those things, and then one will bubble up and say that was the moment that was the defining moment. And, And it could be a horrible moment. Uh, and it should not be celebrated, but it should be honored that it has significance in our life and our future. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mike. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate you beyond this episode. Thank you so much for your books in the world and for all that's to come. I know that it's going to blow our mind continuously over the next few decades. So thank you so much for everything you give to the world. Well, thank you. Very kind of you to have me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the I Heart My Life show. I've loved having Mike as a guest, and I'm super passionate about his mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. We're going to share a special link in our show notes so that you can dive into all of Mike's incredible material and support that mission. So definitely check that out, or you can go to mikemotorbike.com. I'll talk to you next time. We hope you love this episode. Thank you so much for being an avid listener of the I Heart My Life show. Take a second and leave a review. It would mean so much to us and we read all of them. And for further inspiration and life and business tips about creating a life that you love and achieving massive success, definitely follow us at I Heart My Life on Instagram and at I Heart My Life Now on Facebook. See you next time.